after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went, and look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. So here's what we know for sure about the story of the Epiphany and the three magi. We know one, there were magi. We don't know if there were three or not, because it doesn't say. There are three gifts, but maybe more magi. We know there is a star that appeared in the story and led them where they were going. We know they took a long journey to get where they were going. Maybe we don't know how long. And we know at the end of the journey, after an interlude where we have to avoid uh, an unscrupulous king, they go and they pay the baby homage and then go home by a different road. That's it. That's the whole story as it's laid out in the Gospel of Matthew which is the only gospel that gives us the story of the epiphany. And yet, we embellish this story as a culture here and around the world like you would not believe. We number the kings as three because if they were five and they only came with three presents, how terrible would that have been? And we give them names. There are no names in the scriptures at all, but somewhere along the line we learned they were called Balthazar and Caspar and Melchior, and they came from different countries, and depending on what person you're talking to from what country, it might have been a local boy. We don't know. And we build this story up at this time of year, and we write new stories about the three wise men and place them in different contexts, and we write operas for television about their visits, 
and we make pastries for the kings. You can buy a big one in Smith's right now in some traditions, There's a, and gifts to be found in those. But why? Why do we build this story up so much? What is so important about this one moment, these few verses in a huge gospel? Why do we play it up so much? Now, as an armchair psychologist and cultural critic, I'm going to give you my theory on that, and I'm going to explain it a little more. This is only my theory, friends. But here's what I think. We embellish it, we make a big deal out of it, because we identify with what happens in the outcome of the story. The special child is paid homage and brought gifts befitting a king. The Christ is recognized for who he is and gets presents. And we, I'm going to suggest, we want that for ourselves. I mean, who doesn't love to be validated, right? Right? We just want, from time to time, somebody to recognize us for who we are and show a little respect for that and give us presents. We want that. We want to be recognized for who we are. But who are we? There is something essential about each one of us that sits at the core of our being, some kind of spark that is John or you or you, something that is essentially you. Now, this is not something that is fixed in time. This is an essence that grows and changes and develops over time. It's a combination of our innate nature and the way we were nurtured and a combination of every bad choice we've ever made and every job well done. In all of that, layers of who we are at our heart, who the truth of our own selves are, grows and develops at the center. Sometimes this happens consciously Sometimes we take time to reflect on what we've done and figure out what the lessons are that we've learned, but more often than not, it's happening unconsciously. It's just imprints of events that bind to our souls. But it's there. It's hard to see it sometimes. It's hard to know what that essence is, though. And so I think from time to time, it makes sense for us to manufacture our own moments of epiphany. Epiphany is what's celebrated on the 6th of January or the 8th, because that's how I wanted to do it today. 
And that's the name of the feast day. It's not the feast of the three magi. It's the feast of the epiphany. It's the feast of what happens when magi and child and star and king and all of that converges and what is revealed or uncovered in that moment because that's what an epiphany means. We tend to think of an epiphany nowadays as these sudden flashes of insight that we get that clarify everything for us in a moment like that. And those happen. And sometimes the insights are based in reality and a little bit of reflection and knowing ourselves and sometimes, and maybe more often than the other, it's just a flash that helps us confirm our own biases. It may or may not be a true insight. But my point is it's not, it's not the flash. It's not something that happens in an instant. An epiphany is a revelation. It is an uncovering. It's an active verb, not a passive one. It takes work to make epiphany happen. And let's look again at what makes epiphany in the story of the Gospel of Matthew. A star, a journey, and a recognition. There's a lot going on in there. So what does that mean for our own epiphanies? Well, first up, there's a star. And the star is actually the easy part. As supernatural and crazy it may sound to our own ears today, we have something essential at the heart of us, and we see that in flashes and sparks from time to time. Every time the, the truth, the depth of our love emerges, we see what's at the core of ourselves or our creative spirit coming forth or whatever might emerge from us in surprising ways and moments that we don't accept. You see those flashes of your own essence. You see them in ourself, you see them in others. And sometimes, if you take a moment to reflect on those flashes, on those moments, you might have a brief flash of epiphany, just a short realization. I know I've had these moments, and I trust I'm not alone, where you get through the end of a moment and you think, wait, that's not me. Or better still, oh yeah, that's me. That's the thing that sings in my heart, in my soul. This isn't me, this is me. These flashes of brief recognition come to us in moments of crisis that we often have no control over, and sometimes they come to us in moments of quiet that we make for ourselves when we feel the need to reflect. And more often than not, those recognitions come in moments where the chaos and the quiet are combined, when everything's going mad and you just have to go sit by yourself. This is a reflection of my own story of a call to ministry and how that came about. It was all about having those flashes of recognition about this isn't me and this is me, working corporate jobs that were grinding my soul away 
asking me to make sacrifices I didn't want to make. This is not me. And at the same time, having a quiet moment every Sunday in a Unitarian Universalist church where I reawakened again to a sense of purpose that was always there for me from a little age. I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's me. That was something that was intended for me. I should follow that star, right? But when we get those flashes, when we get those moments of recognition, sometimes our first instinct, and this was certainly mine in this case, was to back away slowly and not engage with it. No, no, no. Maybe this is just my ego talking and I gotta think about this some more. We have a hard time listening to our own selves when it really matters. Parker Palmer, in his book, Let Your Life Speak, talks about leading retreats. From time to time, he says, participants show me the notes they are taking as the retreat unfolds, and the pattern is nearly universal. People take copious notes on what the retreat leader says, and they sometimes take notes on the words of certain wise people in the group, but rarely, if ever, do they take notes on what they themselves have to say. We listen for guidance everywhere except from within. We follow an instinct to run away from ourselves. Because to recognize that essence in ourselves, to recognize that truth, that spark that sits at our heart and to follow it frequently means we need to change who we're being right now and adapt to that truth we are discovering. It rocks our internal status quo, and who wants to do that, right? I'm comfortable the way things are. It sucks, but I know it, so that's how we're gonna do things. And what all this means is simply this. Epiphany ain't easy. It does not come in that sudden flash. The real uncovering doesn't happen like this. Look at what the Magi had to go through. They had to first trust that the star they were seeing was what they thought they were seeing and they were interpreted correctly. And even if they couldn't know for certain, they still stepped out with a sense of faith about it and take a long journey. Could have been as much as two years, we don't know. At least the way the story's laid out. And on the side, they have to avoid unscrupulous people who want to use their journey for their own devices. And once they've passed that test, they get to where they're going and they pay homage. Now the star is the spark and the flash that we see, we see in the chaos or the quiet or both. 
and our journey is that step towards a deeper exploration of what it is that star is trying to shine on for each one of us. And then there is the homage. What? Homage? The word comes to us via Latin through Old French. And what homage initially was, I love learning these things, was the name of the ceremony where a vassal would pledge their fidelity to the Lord who owned the land they were working. It was a pledge of faithfulness. A pledge of faithfulness. Homage. Not a self-aggrandizing exercise to inflate our own egos and make us feel grand about who we think we are. It is a pledge of faithfulness to the truth we are trying to get a glimpse of in those moments of spark. After the work of doing the uncovering, of finding the star and following it down and looking at the truth of who we are, something of our essence is revealed and we make a pledge to that which we find is most essential to who we are. I see myself for who I am. I recognize who I really am and I pledge to be faithful to that vision, to that truth of my own life. And then, ta-da, we did it. We're all done. Epiphany, we manufactured it, right? Except that I just said epiphany ain't easy. We are imperfect beings. We screw up all the time. We will stumble on our journeys time and time again. And sometimes we've got to go back and retrace our steps to remember what we've lost. It happens on road trips all the time. We leave something behind at the hotel or the diner or the little tchotchke shop outside the biggest ball of yarn in the United States, and we got to go back and get it. Pick up the thing that we lost. Pick up what we've left behind. And in that case, it means that the journey we engage in when we're trying to make our own epiphany, the journey is the true destination because we're always going to be looping back. We will forget some of the truth about ourselves from time to time, and we're going to have to make ourselves retrace and find that and maybe uncover another layer or reveal something more about it in the process. It's why... We tell stories like this over and over and over again. It's why there is a cycle sometimes to the stories that we tell. Why the story of the three wise men comes up every January 6th. We need to be reminded of the meaning of what we're being told, of some of what we are being asked to do. And at the top of a year, why not let that be an epiphany? 
at the point in the annual cycle where we are practicing the, the motto of new year, new you, why not take that and run deep with it? Not just a new surface you, but a new understanding of that truth, of that spark that lies at your heart, getting to know what is essential there. And then resolve. I think plenty of you know my attitude towards New Year's resolutions by now, if you've been listening to me long enough. But if you've got to make one, and I think this is one I'm going to make for myself, resolve to give yourself that occasional quiet moment to hear what it is that our truth, that our essence is trying to tell us what wisdom is coming from in. This is not me. Oh, this is definitely me. And pay it homage. Make a pledge to stay true to what is at your heart, what is essentially you. Why not, at the top of the year, remember to take some time out from time to time and manufacture a little bit of our own epiphany every day? May it be so.